0: All right, this morning um, we'll continue by God's pure grace about image. And again, image is, uh, I think we're coming close to finishing up, and and it's still going to be a little bit of a process to be able to uh, have the, the, the book or the booklet on image printed, but we're closing in on it. And then I just think at that point they're going to be that God will have different ones after that. It's almost going to be like a domino thing. That's the way I think, because God's timing is perfect. So continuing uh, this morning on image, we're going to read from Genesis, the 25th chapter, Genesis 25. And I'll start at verse 19, Genesis 25 and verse 19. And these are the, the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begot Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took, took Rebekah uh, to wife, to, as his wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of, and this is interesting, which we won't get into this morning, but the Syrian of Pandanarim, the sister of, to Laban the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife. That's great headship. That's great initiation, isn't it? Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. This can be this is also speaking of, of a physical birth of a child, but it can also be in, in type barren in terms of life, which has to do with spirituality. Because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him. The Lord heard heard him. And, and again in James 1:5, if we lack wisdom, what should we do? We should just ask God. Because that's where all our wisdom comes from. Through Christ in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 24. And so the Lord heard him. The Lord received of him that prayer that dependence that he was placing in, uh, in him and before him and rebecca his wife conceived and the children struggled together within her and that's very very indicative and very uh, pointed the children struggled together within her and she said if it be so why am i thus what is going on so there's this inward struggle because she had two, she had two, she had twins in her. And there was this struggle going on within her. Did you ever ask God that? Here you are in Christianity and there's this struggle going on. Okay. And then with this struggle that was going on, look what she did. She went to inquire of who? She went to inquire of the Lord. So you have struggles and you're struggling with things. What should you do? You inquire of the Lord. If you don't have that wisdom, then God would lead you to go to another who he had given that wisdom to, and not only for himself, but to others, or herself, but to others. And thank God we have, we have spiritual dads and spiritual moms. And verse 23 of Genesis 25, And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in your womb, And two manner of people, notice that? There are two manner of people. Will be what? Separated. Now, in the type here, as we're going to see this morning, constantly, God, when we have this struggle, the struggle is the result of one struggling against the other. We have these two natures within us. One nature, in Romans 8, verse 9, is the flesh that is in us, but that we're not of. And so when we struggle, we're struggling uh, not uh, from who we are of in Christ through the new birth, but the old self. So there's this struggle going on inside. But God, in his plan, for those that are in Christ, once they're in Christ, they've been they have been justified, cleared of all guilt and condemnation. And instantly, the moment that we receive Christ in the new birth, in John 3, 3 through 6, we see that God begins this growth process in 2 Peter three eighteen, where we begin to grow in grace. Notice how it says that in 2 Peter three 18. We're growing in grace. Do we remember the word that always is and was in John 1, 1? He came and put on humanity. And what was the one thing that they saw about him? His glory and the fact that he was filled up with all that grace and truth is. We never struggle in who we are in Christ in grace and truth. It's the struggle with the two. We'll see that this morning in type. And it's all about image. It's all about a proper image. And so God begins this, the moment we receive Christ, we were justified, cleared of all guilt and condemnation, and that's Romans 8, verse 1. And because of that, in our position, we can never be separated from him. You'll see that in Romans, the 8th chapter, in verses 35 to 39. So if you can't condemn me because Christ satisfied the justice of God, thereby you and I were cleared, In justification, and if you can't condemn me in Romans 8.1, you can't separate me in 8.39 of Romans. But this process is going on in our experience. Our proper position is that we're in Christ. That's a solid fact. That's how God sees us. And in Job 36, verse 7, he never removes his eye from the righteous, meaning he always sees us in Christ. Even in chastisement. (laughs) He sees us completely in Christ, individually. But there is, as we were instantly justified, we were instantly sanctified. In other words, set apart positionally. But then there's this growth, as we said in 2 Peter 3.18, this growth in grace and knowledge, the fact that we're in Christ. He begins this separating or sanctifying process where we're going to be separated in our thinking, in our condition. Separated from what we truly are in our position. So that this struggle in areas ends when we function in our proper image about who we are in Christ. This is brought out in the types here. And that is why in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, not just the Pauline epistles, but all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Meaning, it, it's it's... God's breathing out to us life. And as we take it in, we breathe it in. We don't breathe the polluted air. <laughs> we breathe in this God-breathed reality of life, and we function in the life that's ours in Christ in our experience. So again, in Genesis 25 and verse 23, it says, Two nations are in your womb, your womb, two manner of people will be separated from your inward from your bowels. And in this metonym, this is a type of, there's got to be a separation because what do bowels do? It gives out something that's been taken in. We take in Christ, what do we give out? Christ, proper image. Take in the flesh, then what? But that's why there's got to be this separation. And that's why Jesus said in John 17, verse 17, sanctify them in your truth. Separate them from the flesh and and bring them into who you've made them to be in me separate them sanctify them in your truth it says your word is truth who's the word it's christ we're positioned in him now he's separating it those two people (laughs) those two images one is in us but but we're not of it in romans 8 9 so there's two manner of people to be separated from your bowels, and the one people will be stronger than the other. Whew. Oh God, our only strength is in who we are in Christ, and it's far stronger than the flesh, because the flesh apart from Christ can do what? In John fifteen one through five, nothing, because there's no good in it. In John six sixty three and in Romans seven eighteen, that's what. What the Holy Spirit was telling Paul and, and teaching him to teach us, that he said, I know that is, that is in my flesh, in me that is in my flesh, that I'm not of, dwells what? No good thing. None. Okay. So can the struggle then still be used of God for good? Yeah, so we get sick of going back to the flesh. Finally to the point in areas where we're helpless and hopeless in that area. There's no strength there. We just don't find any good, no strength. But this is growth. And then it says the elder will serve the younger. We're going to see what's that. Well, that was the first Adam nature we were born in. That's the old one. That's what 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17 is talking about. Yet to know no man after the flesh. Okay? If I don't know myself after the flesh and don't function it, when I look at you, I won't see it. We're talking believers now. Because old things are what? pass away. They're not in the process of passing away. They already are passed away. Behold, all things are what? New in him. What's new? Image. We have a brand new image in our own individuality. So the elder will serve the younger. Again, that's what 1 Corinthians 15, 45 to 49 is talking about. There's the first Adam, he's the elder. The second Adam, he's the younger, but he's much stronger. (laughs) All our strength is in who we are in Christ. And that, for us to be experiencing our position in Christ, there has to be a separating process, and that's what some term as, yes, there is positional sanctification, we're positioned in Christ, but have that reality in our experience. It's called a progressive sanctification, constant separating. And that's what Hebrews 4, verse 12 brings out. The word of the Lord is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder, of what? Soul and spirit. There's got to be this separation and that is even why Jesus Christ, he said in his high priestly prayer in John 17 verse 19, he said, that's why I separate myself so that they can be separated in me and in me because by me and in me and thus through me. Now verse 24, and when her days to be delivered were fulfilled. Behold, there were, guess what was in her womb? Twins. Guess what we have in us? Yes, we do. (laughs) Yes, we do. The separating process. There were twins in her womb. Now, to understand this, we have to go again, guess what, to the scriptures again. (laughs) Now, This was the prayer that God gave Paul as he was the apostle to teach us our position in Christ, and thus the way that it would be in a proper experience, thus a proper image, to do away with the struggle. In specific areas. So here's Galatians the fifth chapter. You can read that fifth chapter. It's pretty awesome. No wonder it's, it starts out with, in the King James, it says, "...stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not again entangled with the yoke of bondage." That's the struggle. The Greek literally says this, "...for freedom's sake Christ sets you free." so be free. You're free in your position, but am I in my experiential growth, moment by moment, day to day? There has to be a sanctifying, separating process that goes on. And who does that? God. What can I do in the flesh? Nothing. That's why it's so very, very necessary for us to constantly submit, and not to resist and reject him. Of course, any of us will do that in the flesh. So that's how it starts out. But look what it says. When we struggle, look what, look what can happen in Galatians 5, verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, that, that's believers in the flesh, functioning in the flesh. They start devouring one another. Really, who's, who's, uh, who's infusing all that? Who's the devourer? Well, but if you bite and devour one another, based upon your own personal struggles, Take heed that you be not consumed one of another. That's experience. Can't touch position. Verse 16. This is what it says. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For, here's where we're getting to. Here's the sanctifying process in growth and grace. Progressive sanctification based upon positional sanctification. And here it is. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit. We had that battle, right? Esau and Jacob, constant battle. Constant struggle. Constant struggle. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. But you don't see lust here, do you? When it's the spirit. But you sure do see it in the flesh. There's a lust pattern in the believer that they're struggling with, and it goes against the spirit. And really in that area, against Christ. We'll see that in Romans the 8th, chapter 7, verse. So, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. Are there any lust in God? None. Any about who we are in Christ? Already fulfilled. No fleshly desires to be met, thank God. They're crucified in Romans 6, 1 to 6. And these, look at are contrary one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. So in the flesh, I I can't, furthermore, I won't do the things of the Spirit in obedience. I just won't do it. But when I function in Christ, I won't do those things in the flesh. And boy, oh boy, look what it says in verse 18 of Galatians 5. But separated, there's got to be that separation from the Esau nature, from the Jacob nature, From the fleshly nature, as opposed to who we are in Christ, the false lying image of the old versus the brand new image of who I am in my own individuality in Christ, there has to be this separation. And that's what the but does even here in between these two verses. It's a contrast and conjunction. There's a contrast. See? Flesh. See? Spirit. Separation, that's where the Word comes in, the preciseness of the Word of God in Hebrews 4.12, and even taking up in our own spiritual battle that we have. In Ephesians 6.17, we take up the sword of the Spirit, and that simply means we take up what only the Holy Spirit can reveal to us as he takes the things of Christ in John 16.13 and 14 and shows them unto us. Because we do, since we have Christ, remember that verse in Romans 8, 9? We have the flesh in us, but we're not of it, because we have the Spirit in us. And we wouldn't if we didn't have Christ receiving him and be placed in his position. So now we have the sword of the Spirit. We all have that unction in 1 John 2, 20. That's the Holy Spirit. That promise that was fulfilled that, would be, that was with the disciples before Christ was crucified, but then was given to each individual in the new birth. We see that in John the 14th chapter and in verse 16 and 17 to get the clear understanding of these things for all of us. So we see here, but if you be led of the spirit, look, at you are not under the law. What's the law? Is it the 10 commandments or is it the law of the spiritual death of the flesh? Read Romans 8, 2 and 3, and that makes it clear. As a matter of fact, let me do it for you. Romans, the 8th chapter, it says this in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, period. rest, again, is not in the original. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life, that's that sword we take up. Proper experience, proper image. Proper image, proper experience. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has, that's past tense, made me free from the law of what? Sin and death. That's the law that's being brought out right here. But if you are led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Right Now the works of the flesh, and you can see what those are, in 519 to 21, then you can see the, the works of the Spirit, of the life in Christ being produced in us in 22 and 23. But getting back to here, again, when we read Romans the eighth chapter and understand the types as we're being, as God is teaching us this morning, there's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, that's the flesh, the lustful nature, trying to take the things of God, the word of God, and live a Christian life, which is impossible because Christ is our life in Colossians 3 verse 4. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, no strength. Do we have any strength in the struggle but is the struggle who we are and it isn't so for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh that esau nature god sending his own son in the likeness human nature no sin nature of sinful flesh and for a sin sacrifice condemned sin in the flesh where's all our condemnation located in the flesh. Is that who we are? It's not. Verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. What's that talking about? That's experience. Because it already has been fulfilled because Christ is our righteousness positionally in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30. He is our righteousness without a question about it. But how is it to be fulfilled in us in our experience? who walk not after the flesh. (laughs) This is what makes, here's those words again, obedience, humility, dependence, constant child training until we see him face to face. If you tire of the process, you tire of the only way that God can deal precisely with us in a proper image. (laughs) And you may have a free will, and you may choose to reject that truth with your free will, but you will never have or experience the freedom that is yours in Christ with that free will. (laughs) So, who walked not after the flesh, the all-minding, everything about me is the minding of the flesh. It's this, it's that, it's this person, it's that person, it's this circumstance, it's that circumstance, it's all this stuff. And finally, when I can't do anything about it because my will is not submitted, What's the first thing we all want to do? From any confrontation or any trial, run for the hills. But you take it with you, by the way, and I take it with me. That area that's not dealt with. Because God is reducing us, constantly reducing the struggle in us to bring us to the point of helplessness and hopelessness in every single area of our own experience and our own individuality boy, he desires such intimacy with us, but he can't. He won't force himself on, it, on us. But he so desires to grace us out with a love that nothing can disturb or distract. But what do we choose a lot of times? Keep going back to the disturbance and the distraction. But he's still waiting to be gracious for to us and for us and, and uh, Isaiah 30, verse 18. Look, here it is, verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. What's that mean? Their whole thought process is about themselves, self-centered. Remember what we read um, yesterday, I believe it was? They that are after the flesh, that have the minding of the flesh, their mind is set on things of the flesh. It's all about them. Their whole... Life is centered on self. They have no proper object. So they live in subjectivity constantly, and thereby they need constant change. But who we are in Christ never changes. That's why we need to be careful who we're with, where we go, what we do. Because in Proverbs twenty-four twenty-one, meddle not with them that are given to change. Don't become intertwined with them. Because us. <laughs> you will if you choose to go that way. We need to make proper choices. We can't do so without a proper experience. We can't do so when we don't function in a, in a proper uh, image about who we are in Christ. So they that are after the flesh, they have a constant mindset for things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, their constant mind is given over in obedience to the Spirit, and thus they mind the things of the Spirit and experience the freedom that's theirs. They don't need anything to replace what they don't have in the flesh. For to be carnally minded is what? Constant separation, constant struggle. I don't like this, I don't like that, I don't like this about me, I don't like that about this other believer, I don't like this about my circumstance, my situation. All those things. That's all the activity of the flesh. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is what? Life, who's our life? Christ. And peace, who's our peace? Oh boy, do we want peace. It's another booklet we want to get out about peace, which is totally incredible. Right? Because the carnal mind... That Esau nature that's in us is what? Enmity against God. Everything about the flesh, ignorantly or rebelliously, knowingly or unknowingly, is strong, settled, unchangeable thoughts and feelings of hatred toward God. And so we're in the flesh, and the prayer from the flesh is God, help me there. Help me in an area where I hate you, where your love isn't flowing, because I'm disobedient, maybe ignorantly, or rebelliously. God help us. Because the like carnal mind is enmity against God, for it's not subject. it's not submitted to the law of God. What's the law of God? Ten Commandments? No. It is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus in Romans 8:2 that set me free from the law of spiritual this, this death. Sin and death, constant struggle. <laughs> you know, that's why we're here. You know Romans eight twenty eight. 28? Here on the earth, too, and why we're here right now. Romans eight twenty eight. 28, all things work together for the good to them that love God. Do I love God in disobedience? Is that an exchange of his love? Why am I so miserable? <sighs> it's the only place in the word of God was brought out that all things work together for the good. God's good. To them that love God, return his love and obedience, and are called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? To conform us to the image of his Son. Romans 8, 28, 29, 30. And that's why things can't be against us when we function properly in 31 of Romans 8. So because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject, it's not submitted Experience in the believer to God, neither indeed can be. I just won't do it. <laughs> Why? Because I'm not going to do it. And God's going to give me grace to live in sin. Romans 6 1 and 15, God forbid. Should I do evil that good may abound? Romans 3 8, isn't that sound like Isaiah five twenty, calling evil good, good evil, putting light for darkness, darkness for light, bitter for sweet, sweet for bitter? What a bitter struggle to stay in the flesh. Just not completely, just submit and rest. Read the fourth chapter of of, uh, Hebrews about the rest that is ours and the freedom that we have and function in while we rest in him who's finished everything about us. And his love in 1 John 4, 18 has completed everything about us. Individually, has an individual plan. Based upon we're positioned in Christ and plans that he has for us in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, long before we were ever born. Long before God had ever even created anything. And so they then that are in the flesh cannot please God. I don't know. Does anything truly please the flesh? Come on. Lust is what? It's insatiable. So now when we understand those, that was the prayer, that was the prayer of Paul. And every leader that is submitted to Christ, this is their prayer. And this is the prayer through the teaching that they'll all, each individual, will take the, the teaching, the things of Christ, and that are true in their position, and have them in their experience. Here's the prayer. In, in Galatians four verse nineteen, my little children, of whom I travail, in birth again, till Christ be formed in you. That's experience. And what and and every every leader, gifted man. Uh, connected to Christ. That's going to be his prayer life. He's going to discern. God's going to give him through brokenness discernment about individuals' lives that God has put. As that man is under Christ, they're under Christ together, under him. But it's Christ, isn't it? That's the authority. And they, he travails again. Yeah. It's almost like, come on. I mean, p- picture, picture the pregnant wife and the husband's there waiting for the wife to be delivered. Is he travailing with her? Boy, he sure is. He is. And that's what it is. My little children, of whom I travail again in birth till Christ be formed in you. Are we all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus? In Galatians 3, verse 26, and we are. So back to the type in Genesis 25. Genesis 25, verse 23, The Lord said unto her, Two nations are in your womb. (laughs) Two manner of people. Will be separated. I don't like it. What is not to like about who we are in Christ? What is to dislike everything about Christ when we function in the flesh? Even when we're against Him in the flesh. Because in Matthew 12, 30, He that is not with me experientially is what? Against me. We read it in Romans 8, 7. He that is with us is on our part in Mark 9, verse 40. It's crystal clear in the scriptures. And a preponderance of a lot of different scriptures to get a full thought and continually to get it. Two manner of people are in in your womb and will be separated from your bowels, and the one people will be stronger than the other, and the elder will serve the younger. Now, here's verse 24 of Genesis 25. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, we're not going to be delivered, until God has fulfilled Christ in us. This is the types. It's not gonna happen until that happens, until we submit, until we don't constantly wanna go back. Our whole thought process is going back. It's a source of a lot of people's struggle, by the way, because my God, what are you gonna go back to? Just think about what God took you out of when you were there and the struggles in the distance that you had and were experiencing, away from Christ experientially, then God took you out. Why would you ever want to go back? A little struggle going on. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. That's the fleshly nature in us. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) After that, right? They called his name Esau, verse 26. And after that came out his brother, and look what it says. And his hand took hold of Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was was 60 years old when his wife, Rebekah, bore them. Anyone having a child today, 60? <laughs> well, look. It can happen in the perfect plan of God. In the perfection of his plan that was dealt with and, and finished in eternity past. Jacob. What is his name, Jacob? What does it mean, cunning, supplanter? What is that? We have this Jacob nature in us in who we are in Christ, but we also have the flesh. And the flesh doesn't want to wait for God. And this is the picture here. Jacob took hold of his heel. He, with who he was in Christ, wanted to do and fight the battle of Esau without Christ and without submission. That's the picture here. That's the struggle. We do have that Jacob nature in us. Right, Because we have a change of character, a change of our name, which would reveal our character. That was revealed to Jacob in Genesis 32, verse 28. He wrestled. He struggled. In Genesis 32, he struggled. He struggled constantly until, until he that struggled with him had to what? Hurt him. To bless him. God has to wound the flesh. And when you look at that in Genesis 32, by the time you come near the end of the chapter, you see him, uh, after that battle, he walks out, and what is he doing? He's limping, because you know what? Every step, he touched his thigh, because every step was teaching him, you're weak, but this is your strength. It's not in your Jacob cunning nature your supplanter, you that seek to have control, because that's what he was doing. And right from the womb, we were conceived in iniquity and sin Did our mother bring us forth. Literally, in Psalm 51, verse 5. As soon as they are born, in Psalm 58, 3, babies, they come out of the womb, and what do they speak? Lies. We would never use lies to control, would we? Do we want to take the heel of another? Do we want to take the heel of the flesh and try and control it? Can you and I control the flesh? Should we even try when it's already dead? But we'll do it in our experience. That's what we'll do. And his hand took hold because you know what he's doing? He was trying to seek control. He had this life in Christ, but with that life separated from him, Separated from God, he wanted to be in control. Don't you want to be in control of your circumstances and situations, huh? And God is teaching you in them, you don't have it, but you're there to for him to separate those things. And the thing that you hate the most could be the most that he's using to do that separating. And we want change. And you and I will constantly want change When our experience is not a proper image and a proper identity, we will constantly, constantly want change. Something has to change. No, God has you in the place that you want change to cause the change to be in you experientially. And he uses these things and people and circumstances and situations to cause the separation. But if I don't go forward in obedience and submit where I am, what do I always want to do? What's the constant temptation? Go back. Where do I go back if I don't go forward let of the spirit in the flesh? And I get comfortable. And the enemy so desires us to be comfortable even with the flesh in believers and find comfort. You know, you ever heard that one misery loves comfort? Or uh, loves company? Yeah. Misery loves company, yeah. <laughs> That's the person that says, I trust you because you're a Christian, I trust you so much that I can throw up on you about everything I don't like about my circumstances and situations. And, you know, I'll even go to others and explain what I'm going through. But do they have the answer? Are you going back searching for answers? Is the answer back there? answer happens to be right where you are in your own individuality and he's teaching us to turn away from the head of the flesh and the head of anybody else to your own head, Christ and and he's teaching us to grow up in Ephesians 4 verse 15 so he took his heel, he's seeking control, why? because everything about when we function we do have a Jacob nature in Christ in the type we do but when I am not submitted to him, I seek to control everything and everybody, and as long as I can control them and make them fit where I am, I'll, it'll be great, and we'll call it fellowship. <laughs> the reality is it's not fellowship, because it's not Christ. It's just a fleshly, it's a fleshly activity and exchange. But the reality here is this, right? He was seeking to control and everything about control outside of Christ, outside of the control of the Holy Spirit through, through Christ and by Christ is why It's seeking self advantage. Everything's about me. You know, when I don't have an object, Christ, I make me the object. And everything and everyone else about me has to be just right. And then I'll call that fellowship. And at times I'll even call that when we all get together, worship. Mm. If we only understood what true worship is, even in song, it is purely about Christ. There's no activity of the flesh involved in it. None whatsoever. Not one ounce, is it? And so, again, they called his name Esau. And then after his brother came out, his hand took, he took, oh boy, his hand took to heal. Notice where it says his hand here? We can take through our flesh to seek to take the flesh of another to control them and make them be about ourselves. Or we can submit. In 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. What was was Jacob, even from the womb, trying to exalt got all the promises, but he was going to do it without God, just like believers think they can take the promises, take a little devotional or whatever, and just have enough and then I can do it, not going to do it, not going to happen, it's not going to happen, no, nope. just not going to happen, because growth takes time, growth takes patience of God and patience in us, it takes humility, and patience takes humility and dependence and tremendous amounts of adjustments only through grace. We don't make the adjustments apart from grace. That's James chapter 4, verses 6 through 10, and 1 Peter 5, verses 6 through 10. It's very clear in the scriptures. So, his hand, notice it was his hand that t- tried to control that flesh with, that was the struggle between them two. You know, like all those books, you know, Seven steps, twelve steps—all these things that you can do to control you. See every every single cult, and a cult is anything and a, any teaching or anything where Christ is not ha- when he doesn't have preeminence over me. Galatians 1.18. That's a cult. It's not about Christ. Period. Period. And they'll all tell you you can do these things. You can meditate and escape. <laughs> You can escape where you are. All those other cults that we've, (laughs) you know, talked about in the past. His hand took hold of Esau's heel and his name was called Jacob. Cunning, supplanter, con man. Con man. And Isaac was 60 years old. You know, the flesh versus the spirit. Remember we said about this, we we are born with these two natures. When we receive Christ, we're born No, but we still have the flesh in us. We have those two natures. And everything about our natural birth, everything about it, made us members of the fallen, sinful, first Adam race. And what did Adam do? Can can you believe? Listen, when I function in the flesh and when you function in the flesh, when we hear the voice of God tell me, do we want to receive it or what do we do? We run and hide. We want to hide. Hide in areas of disobedience. Right? Of course, it's in the light of his countenance in Psalm 90, verse 8, but I don't want another believer to know what I'm hiding in or even what my thoughts are. <sighs> Cunning, deceitful, Jacob, trying to control the flesh that's in him. Well, our natural birth made us members of the fallen, sinful, first Adam race, but our transition from the old, sinful race, to a what? to the godly the new godly race is known as what the new birth everything about us is new and when we were born again through repentance a change of mind which is not of works not fallen fleshly works but a change of mind that worked a godly sorrow that without worldly condemnation worldly sorrow in 2nd Corinthians 7:10 What did it do? It brought about a change of mind and a change of action, the change of the action of the free will. I'm in the flesh. I'm not going to obey. I'm not going to do it. I want change. I don't care. Till finally, we get to the point of what? It's helpless. It's hopeless. Okay, I changed my mind. There's nothing here for me. I turn around. I make an about face. I change my mind and it brings about a change of a mind thought process and the action and results of the misery of the flesh that it produces and and with my free will now towards God in submission with faith which is complete obedience toward Jesus Christ what do we experience brand new image <coughs> we continually experience who we are in Christ who we are in Christ. And I don't know if we'll have the time to get into this, but the fact of the matter is this morning, and we have 15 minutes, what it's teaching us, and what God's teaching us this morning, is the false old image based upon a lie and the eternal new image based upon the truth, the grace and truth that Christ is in us. And by the time we get to James, and this is what we want to get into, so it's almost like we got a little parenthesis here before we continue on this journey with, gosh, the preciseness of these images. So by the time we get to James, that book, the book of James, and we're going to bring this out. And again, that's why I, That's why, when I get up in the morning, I, I have to be disciplined and get into a place of concentration. That means all these other random thoughts about what I'm going to do, where I'm going to go, they have to be set aside so I can concentrate fully, so God can give me all these things. And that makes it very important because what's more important, I mean, than than knowing who we are in Christ and experiencing it, to, for God's glory through Christ and our blessing. So by the time we get to James, and we're gonna see what this brings out again, and, and uh, I haven't found this in any devotionals or in the majority of of teaching. I haven't found it. It is there, thank God. We're not the only ones that have it. We're not going to limit God. (laughs) God's not limited. But he does limit his choice to a proper place where he's called us. There's no question about that. And I know that from, from being here and what he's dealing with. So in James, what do we see? This is a New Testament epistle. Who is speaking to us then through the Holy Spirit in the book of James? And you can read that. You should, you know, maybe just set aside some time. And if you're hungry and you want it, God will do that. (laughs) There might have to be a change of schedule. (laughs) And all of us, and I mean that too, all of us, so that we could and watch God be faithful to us and continually show us who we are in our new image But James, in this New Testament epistle, what do we have speaking to us? We have what? We have Jacob. That's right. That's how we should understand these things and the types. We have Jacob speaking, and what he's doing is he's speaking to those descendants of Israel. And the Holy Spirit does this, right? (laughs) He's speaking to those Jews that became and were placed in salvation in the dispensation of grace. They were placed in Christ. And he's speaking to them, the Holy Spirit, through everything that Jacob experienced as a Jew. He's speaking to these Hebrews. And he's also, is he, could he be speaking to us? The, the hyper-dispensationalists will say in certain areas, other than the Pauline epistles, Jesus isn't speaking to you. I beg to differ based upon the preponderance of all the scriptures. He's speaking to the descendants of Israel. Listen, in English, this is the English, English name of Jacob, it's James. Just want to make that clear, James, okay? In English is the Hebrew, Jacob, James. In the Greek, it's called Jacobus. In French, it's Jacques. Guess what it is in Italian? It's, It's Diego. And guess what it is in Spanish? It's Diego. And I don't care where you're from or what your heritage is. You have that fleshly Jacob nature in you. It's not your Irish getting up or your Italian or your Spanish. It is your flesh that's in you. But listen, you're not of. You're not of. Okay? The meaning is always the same. The supplanter. The heel catcher. The one who wants to be in control. God, I'm in the circumstance and situation. And I want you to give me what I need to be able to control. This person, that person, this situation, that circumstance. And what do you hear? Not happening. No, 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 no. No, no, you're functioning. And you're Jacob nature, you little heel catcher. You little trying to seek control, you little you and you little me who wants to seek to control, and control the walk of others to heal the foot, control the walk of others with false teaching maybe or fleshly things that can happen for self advantage. Read Galatians the sixth chapter the twelfth verse to verses fourteen. All legalism of the flesh is seeking to control so that you can glory, use the flesh in another you think you can control when you can't even control your own your own and control them for your glory. <laughs> God forbid, the cross is the sign that forbids it. Everyone likes to wear that puppy around, but my God, that cross. <laughs> cross speaks of separation, by the way. Eternal. <laughs> So, in Hosea 12, verse 3, what did it say? He took his brother by the heel in the womb. Psalm 51, 5. Psalm 58, 3, that old sin nature that was passed on in Romans 5, verse 12. So, as we go along here, the letter of this New Testament Jacob, who has learned the lesson, it's so so slow to learn. (laughs) Why? The will not submitted. I want the flesh just a little bit longer. I want a little more bondage because, so I can experience freedom. Yeah, tell that to the drug addict, the alcoholic, the sex addict. Tell it, God, the shopaholic. And there's a big difference, right? Cumulating things so I can be just as comfortable as I can in my bondage. Not happening slow to learn the lesson of his life the lesson which turned him from Jacob into Israel a prince with God not ruling the flesh not ruling anymore in Genesis the 32nd chapter in the 28th verse because when you rule with Christ over you he rules and reigns over you and I don't care what you go through if you suffer with him you reign with him in 2 Timothy 2:12 2, and in everything individually no one's doing that for you Say, so might as well not look here or go back. Might as well not do that any longer. Don't take a hold of someone's heel and don't let someone else take a hold of your heel. Don't come under the control of another and the authority of another. Don't do it. It's the wrong thing to do. It'll only end up in sin, failure, and misery. He had to learn that lesson. Because he was alone in Genesis 32, verse 24. You're alone. It's good to be alone. We never have to be lonely. Boy, are we lonely in the flesh. No wonder misery loves company. (laughs) And then we call it fellowship. Leave that ship and get in in the good ship. (laughs) Jesus is there waiting for us, right? He was alone and wrestling until the break of dawn till the dawn. And you know, we'll wrestle until the dawn breaks over Marblehead in 2 Peter one nineteen. Till he lights us up with a proper image. But what is the lesson? The lesson is what? And again, he became a prince. And a prince is one who rules and reigns under the king. And that rule and the spiritual life in Christ rules and reigns over that fleshly life constantly and this is a constant battle constant struggle the lesson is the word bethel we say bethel okay because beth you know bethel always has to do with god the place of rest always has to do that and that's where we rest in our human spirit that's why the word comes in and separates soul self self-control self-conscious living from spiritual the control of the spirit in christ which is freedom which is the house of God. He resides in the house of God in our human spirit, because God is a spirit. And they that worship him in John 4 verse 24 must worship him must in spirit and in truth, not flesh. Not a bunch of Christians getting together and, you know, calling it worship and doing this. I oh, I can't stand that. I bristle at that. Oh, help us, Lord. <laughs> If only he says, if only you bristled at all these other things in your life as you bristle as much as that. See, it's constant working. I'm with you, not above you, not below you. I'm with you, believe me. And in my prayers for you and for myself, <laughs> God, what God seen in it in his desire to come near to man, you know, that's his desire. You're in, a, you're in a proper place because he so deeply desires intimacy and fellowship with you, right in that place, because that's the place where he has to do the separating. That's the place you and I in the flesh want to run from. God's given a specific counsel right now, very specific. And as we submit to him, we'll experience the freedom of it. So as we begin to wrap this up in four minutes, so we see in Genesis 28, and if you can look at it, Genesis 28, like 11 through 21, and you'll see this again in the type of Genesis 28, verse 12. We don't have time to go into them the way I would like to. In Genesis 28, verse 12, when the ladder was set down, he was struggling, he was laying on a pillow. This ladder was set down and angels were ascending and descending on it. Christ said, "That's I'm the ladder that comes down right where you are. That's John 1, 51. I'll come down right where you are. Nothing has to change. Nothing has to change. You don't have to escape. Don't get involved with distractions. And Some may not like it, but I am telling you, there can be distractions, and then you can bring that distraction back with you. I'm just being honest with you and very crystal clear. So, Jacob begins to bargain with God. How does he do that? in the flesh. We bargain with God, don't we? Legal covenant works, right? But what are we in our best state apart from God? What are we? What's the the best state of the flesh? It's the worst place we could ever be experientially. And that's Psalm 39, verse 5. The best state there is without God. The best state in the flesh is without God, and we are empty, you ever get in your car, you forgot to check the gauge, you start going along, all of a sudden it doesn't go anywhere. Why? Gas tank is what? Empty. Experience is empty because the flesh has come in. Empty. Empty, vain, empty. It. Nothing tastes good anymore. And so Jacob's promise to God is still from who he is in the flesh. He's still laying his hand upon the hand of Esau, his fleshly nature, for his own advantage. The hand of self works and the hand that's not God. But when, when Christ, as we close this morning, when Christ has control of us, when it's his hand, and are we in his hand in John 10, 28 and 29? Are our times in his hand in Psalm 31 verse 15? Are they experientially? Do we have to run off and get right into things right away in our schedule? Are we meditating and taking things in? The best thing that you and I can do is take time and give God time for us. Long before we do one single thing. When he who has first place has every place in our experience. What a hand to be in. I don't have to try and control anything. I just rest in him and experience the freedom of the intimacy of his love that so loves us and so desires us. So, Father, thank you and praise you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.